And good day, everybody. Welcome back to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. I'm the magical producer, Benny Mathers. And of course, we've checked back in with Paul down in Palm Springs. And I know we kind of go back and forth, Paul, as far as what's going on and, you know, weather and blah, blah, blah. But are you going to make it back now officially? Like, what's what's the plan? What, what What's the deal? Well, you know, flexibility is really the mantra now. Last night, I was figuring we were coming back this Friday. And I still think we are. Okay. But there was some information that may change that. And that's because of what's happening at SeaTac Airport. Mm. To my dismay, I really think that uh, they've been behind the eight ball and maybe other airports <laughs> have been that way. But I assumed that when people were coming to the airport, they were wearing masks mm-hmm. all the time. Well, I'm finding that they're not. And there was a article actually in the Seattle Times last night talking about that. So what I'm kind of feeling and my wife's thinking is that, you know, we have spent a couple extra months down here, Mm -hmm. hunkering down, doing things right. It'd be really a shame to have to come back and be crowded with all these individuals at an airport and all of the efforts we've made, you may end up getting it, if you know what I mean. And that's always a possibility. Right, 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 right. um, You know, they're saying that they will have an all mask policy by this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to investigate some things and we may drive back. Yeah. All I'm saying was much more black and white last night than it is this morning. Yeah. So as I said, flexibility has been what we've been doing all along. And mm-hmm. I know everybody else has. So that's where we're at right now. Exactly. And it's precautionary. And I think everyone should just do it. And uh, it'll probably be done before we know it, so to speak. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You got it. So let me turn my attention now to the show that we have on store for today. Because, again, we have two wonderful guests. One is John Scholz, and he's the CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. He talks about what it will take to get Seattle and the region back on track. And we also have part two of my interview with Sam Reed. Today, he talks about the top two primary system. Last week, as you know, we talked about vote by mail. And if we have time, I'd like to talk about franchises as it relates to going into business for yourself. Would this be a good move? or should you consider something else? So let's get on with the show and listen to what John Scholes had to say about getting this region back on track. Are you thinking about self-employment? Visit Amazon or order a book called Pre-Flight Checklist. Is self-employment for you? Pre-Flight addresses eight myths surrounding self-employment and includes a self-employment quiz. The higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. Visit Amazon Books and input Pre-Flight Checklist. That's Pre-Flight Checklist. John Scholes, President and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. He addressed Seattle's Rotary Club last week via Zoom. The Downtown Seattle Association has been in existence since 1958, and it has been in existence to enhance the life of the city for businesses and residents since that time. Boy, do they have their challenges now. Let's pick up with his comments that he made and what he thinks about it, what it will take for the region to get up and functioning again. In order for us to move forward in uh, any sense of the word and reduce uh, the restrictions that have been placed on uh, physical movement and um, activities and general operations, uh, the State Department of Health, uh, through their secretary, has laid out some Uh, key components that really are foundational to any sort of reopening, uh, and that's widespread testing, 
that is rapid test results with the testing uh, that uh, is occurring, uh, available PPE for our first responders and healthcare workers, and then a robust uh, contact tracing program along with physical space to quarantine individuals. Uh, so we've been learning uh, from the State Department of Health and Dr. Wiseman, the secretary there, along with our great leadership here uh, in King County around just the foundation that's necessary from a public health perspective to support any kind of reopening. So it's so critical that our state leaders and local leaders are able to make uh, progress on each of these elements uh, because it's really the, the basis that uh, we uh, can get back to any kind of economic activity. We have to have uh, widespread testing. We have to have rapid results. We have to have a contact tracing program that's in place so that we know uh, when tests are positive, who those folks have been, uh, have exposed um, in their social and professional circles. Uh, so this is very key. And if we simply return to what we were doing in February and early March without those components in place, uh, we'll be right back to where we started and have to repeat this exercise again. And I don't think anybody wants that and I don't think our economy um, can take it. Um, the federal, federal action is something we think is so critical. Our um, point of view has been the federal government needs to think about this recovery and response as both a marathon and a sprint. The scale of the economic impacts here in Seattle and across the country are such that local and state uh, efforts will not be sufficient in order to uh, help our economy get to the other side and help businesses and nonprofits uh, survive this. So uh, federal action is so key. I think what the feds have done so far is good and they should be commended. Uh, but I said in early March, I worried about utilizing the existing tools that we have, the unemployment insurance and SBA loans or grants and that those systems and offices and personnel would get overwhelmed by the demand. And that's what we've seen over the last couple of months. I really do think we need to embrace some new thinking and new tools in order to uh, provide cash relief to companies so that they can uh, keep uh, folks on their payroll, keep them uh, uh, getting their um, benefits and particularly health care uh, and carry them through uh, to the other side. Um, I'm optimistic about some of what's being talked about now in DC and, and some of the leadership that's being provided by uh, our own Congresswoman, Congresswoman uh, Pramila Jayapal, who I think is is developed a, a very creative um, mechanism that she's calling the Paycheck Guarantee Act that has um, gotten bipartisan support and uh, economists on both sides of the aisle to uh, weigh in in favor, uh, which would um, really leverage the scale of the IRS to push uh, cash grants through the IRS directly to companies, nonprofits, along with municipalities and state government so that they can keep their payrolls uh, whole uh, up until a point where unemployment uh, is 7% or less over a three month period. Uh, so that's some legislation we're following. We were on the phone with her yesterday and have been in communication with her staff over the last couple of weeks to learn more and provide some input. It's evolved pretty significantly uh, since the first draft uh, was developed. And uh, I think the real point here is um, the action they, the feds have taken uh, to date is very good. Uh, we're gonna need additional uh, investment and action uh, to uh, sustain the ability of our companies and nonprofits to get uh, through this. When it comes to um, downtown Seattle and our urban places across the US, uh, I don't think there's a, um, 
there's a really rosy way to look at this or that we, 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 we shouldn't uh, um, kid ourselves that this is going to be difficult. Uh, I think this is going to be a multi-year long and slow climb out to recovery. I don't see a bounce back. I don't see a, a V uh, shape in our recovery. This is going to be difficult. The industries that have been hardest hit are those uh, that are most anchored in our downtowns, as I noted earlier. Uh, I think we can expect large events not to be happening for the foreseeable future. I think we can expect companies that can uh, continue to have their workforce uh, work remotely, work from home to continue to advise them to do so. And I think that will be the advice of our state leadership that uh, for companies that have those that ability, they should continue to do that for the foreseeable future so that we can protect and preserve the public transit system for those employees that can't, that do need to show up to a physical location to perform their job duties. Uh, so that's gonna be hard on our downtown. And I, I go back to um, you know, that first week of March, we saw what it looked like when you started to remove tens of thousands of people from the daytime population Monday through Friday in downtown uh, Seattle. Uh, the restaurants, retail establishments and other small businesses, arts and cultural institutions, the Pike Place Market, those places got quiet real quick. Uh, so I think this period where we're going to continue to see a lot of people continue to work from home uh, is going to is going to create a big challenge for many of our other businesses in in downtown Seattle. Uh, and I think we just have to sort of face up to that reality um, and that planning horizon and that timeline uh, and, and plan for it and prepare for it um, and not expect a quick bounce back in July or August or uh, September. I think this is going to be challenging. You know, some of the, the things that make downtown so great, and ours in particular, has been this great mix of activities from conventions and people living there and leisure travel and group business and corporate events uh, and a big employment base. And it's uh, sort of like the game of Jenga when you have it all set up. Each one of those pieces is connected and relies upon um, the other. And when you start to pull pieces of that out, people working from home or conventions not happening or cruise ships not coming, um, the other uh, elements start to feel it and it becomes much more fragile. And that's the place we've been in. And I think we're going to be in that fragile state uh, for uh, the, um, the next several months and likely a couple of years. Um, I think we will get through this uh, to the other side. Um, we, we've uh, withstood a lot as a city and as a downtown in our relatively short history. Uh, we've survived the great fire. We've survived a previous pandemic. We've survived riots. We've survived previous uh, recession. We've survived Fortune 500 companies uh, collapsing in uh, our downtown. Uh, so I do believe we will um, get through uh, to the other side. And I believe that people will return to our cities and will, will return to our downtown. I think people desire to share experiences with others physically. Uh, I, I expect that there'll be a number of us that want to continue working from home in some capacity and have that flexibility. Uh, but I think the majority of folks will want to get back um, to share in art and cultural experiences together in music, in public spaces. And I think nothing um, replaces the innovation and collaboration that can be created uh, in a shared uh, workspace. So uh, I think we, there's been a number of people that have sort of written off cities and, and suggested that we're all going to continue to kind of work in our pajamas on our couch remotely behind laptops and 
stream music and not go uh, out to hear um, live shows and uh, that we will retreat from our cities. Uh, I think we need to take a longer term look at our history, not just in this country, but across the world. Uh, and the trends are in our favor is if you care about urban places and keeping them healthy and vibrant. We have been gravitating toward uh, cities um, and, and urban places for hundreds of years. Uh, and, and those places that are much older than we are uh, here in Seattle have withstood a lot. And uh, so I, I'm optimistic um, that we can get through the other side here and also heartened by the resiliency and innovation that so many companies and organizations and leaders in Seattle have demonstrated just over the last two months from fair start pivoting and stepping up in new ways to serve hundreds of thousands of meals to those most in need to Olga who uh, Saigon who runs Proshki Proshki who hasn't laid off a single employee. She's actually hiring right now, if you can believe it and has expanded her uh, business and uh, market dramatically delivering uh, not only Proshkis and baked goods that she makes, but delivering goods from the Pike Place Market and other great retailers in downtown throughout uh, our region. So I'm, I'm heartened by the ways that people have stepped up and also the public-private collaboration that I think has been so important to how our region and city has flattened the curve and been um, so effective in responding to the spread of the virus. We've worked together, uh, we've defined the problem uh, together uh, we've defined the strategies together. The private sector has stepped up with resources. We've had great leadership from our local and state officials. And we've locked arms and worked shoulder to shoulder to respond to the health impacts. I think we need to take that same spirit and same approach and continue a strong collaborative spirit between the public and private sector as we now turn our attention uh, to uh, economic recovery. And we need to think of the next several years really in that forward thrust type of scale. I think this is, must be a forward thrust type of effort to recover our region's economy. There's not one or two strategies that are going to be sufficient. This isn't a one or two month or one year plan. This is a multi-year plan that's necessary. It's going to have to have many components. And we're going to have to leverage the assets in our region, both the public and private sector assets and not be duplicative or running into each other. We need to be well-coordinated in a multi-sector, multi-scaled uh, recovery plan that really, I think, is of the scale and magnitude of the forward thrust plan uh, of the 1960s and early 70s, which was so important to protecting and enhancing our quality of life. We need a similar effort to protect, uh, enhance, and get back our economy here in the Puget Sound region uh, and in Seattle. That's John Scholes, CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, in an address he made to the Rotary Club of Downtown Seattle via Zoom last week. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com, all one word. Sam Reed, former Secretary of State, is my guest. Now, this is the second part of a three-part series, kind of a trilogy with Sam. Last week, we discussed Washington's vote-by-mail system, which was adopted for all elections in Washington in 2005. I asked him about fraud because it's become part of the national debate now as states consider moving to vote by mail. And some people have charged that it is filled with a lot of fraud. But in fact, Sam said there were more problems of making sure that votes were 
being counted accurately under the old system at the polls than there are with vote by mail. If you want to hear that interview, you can click on to KKNW, then click on to podcast. And at the very bottom of the page of all the wonderful shows on KKNW is Voices of Experience. You can click on to that and then listen to the interview I had with Sam. And the show is titled Vote by Mail and Fraud, a Myth. Now, today I want to talk about the top two primary, which we do have now in this state. It took two visits to the U.S. Supreme Court by then Attorney General Rob McKenna and Sam. But in the end, the Supreme Court ruled in Washington's favor that the top two candidates that received the most votes in the primary then advanced to the general election, and that's irregardless of their party affiliation. So essentially, two Democrats can advance to the finals and so can two Republicans. And I think most people know that, but it was a very interesting tour, so to speak, as to how we got there. So I addressed that with Sam. This is something that Sam championed for a very long time because he felt the state of Washington had its roots in being a much more independent state. Let's say other states back east where party affiliations were much stronger. So Sam, you really wanted to get this through for that reason. Is that essentially correct? That is correct. Uh, and my, from my point of view, being a student of Washington state history and Washington state political history, our political culture, our heritage is that the people of our state from the very beginning wanted to be the ones who decided how these elections are coming out and didn't want anybody getting in their way in terms of restricting their who they could vote for in the elections. And so uh, very early on, they had a wide open opportunity just to vote for whoever they wanted to vote for in the primary. Uh, and then uh, in 1932, when the uh, Democrats finally got a majority in the legislature and a Democratic governor, the Democratic Party thought, hey, this is our chance to get a political party primary where we will be restricted and people will have to register by party and vote by party. Well, they passed it and immediately a referendum was slapped on it. And uh, the Grange was the main one who took initiative to do that. And the voters voted overwhelmingly to repeal that. And then they ended up with an initiative to set up what they called the blanket primary, where you could vote for whom, whomever you wanted to vote for in the primary, but then the top vote getters of both parties would move ahead into the general. And so that lasted till, am I correct, in the 70s, and then it was, that was ruled unconstitutional? It lasted until I became Secretary of State, and, uh, uh, and literally, and as soon as I, well, the day I was sworn into office, January 10, 2001, I was sworn in at noon. At 2 o'clock, I was served papers by the Washington from the Washington State Democratic Party, Washington State Republican Party, and Washington State Libertarian Party uh, regarding the constitutionality of our primary system. And, uh, and it said those parties versus Sam Reed. So anyway, welcome to office. And, uh, and off well, How was your lunch that day? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, Last peaceful lunch you had for 12 years, right? Yeah, right, right. 
because it kept actually this case kept banging around for the, the next basically the next 12 years or so so yeah this went to the u.s supreme court and you and rob mckenna went there and argued this correct that is correct uh what happened was is that uh first we thought the blanket primary being unconstitutional but there had been a ruling regarding california having a blanket primary which they lost but we thought well we're different and we could justify it and we actually won at the district court level but we lost at, uh, at the uh, court of appeals in san francisco and then the supreme court didn't take it up uh, the uh, so then we had to come up with another proposal uh, on how to handle our elections in the state of Washington. And again, the parties were pressing really hard to uh, restrict the voting to, you know, you have to either register by party or at least go in and, and uh, indicate like we do in our presidential primary that you are a Democrat or you are a Republican and, uh, and vote in that primary. Now, knowing again what the, the voters in the state of Washington want, I uh, looked for an alternative to that. And what was interesting was Justice Scalia, who wrote the decision against the blanket primary, indicated in a kind of a side note that uh, we were doing it wrong in the blanket primary states. We're doing it wrong by letting the top vote getters of the party move ahead. Because if that's the case, that is a political party primary. So the parties have a right to control uh, who, can, who can vote in those primaries. And he said, if you want to make it constitutional, you have to just let the top vote getters move ahead. So I, we said, Eureka. <laughs> and we, Interesting. we proposed that. And, and we went, I took it to the legislature and, uh, and got it through. And, uh, uh, and then Governor Locke, who had indicated all along, he was all with me and Washington voters are independent and what the He, uh, some people got to him right at the end and I'll be darned if he didn't veto it. And, uh, and we were left with a pick a party primary, but the Grange, I talked to the Grange and immediately put together an initiative to create the top two primary. They were very successful, people eager to sign it all over the state. They, they hardly had to, you know, do anything to a degree. I mean, they have plenty of volunteers and all. And uh, uh, and it got on the ballot and it passed overwhelmingly. Yeah, 60% I read, 60% of the people voted for it. That is correct, yeah. Well, immediately the party sued me on that one. And, uh, and it, uh, again, went through the courts. We lost, actually, the district court and the uh, appellate court level. But we uh, appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and we're a bit skeptical as to whether they would take it up, but I'll be darned if they didn't. And uh, so, yes, went back there. Uh, Attorney General Rob McKenna represented me, but I was there. And uh, it was a fascinating case there in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, <laughs> we thought Scalia would be the key, since he's the one who suggested this. Well, I'll be darned if he wasn't just adamantly against it and oh, he basically amazing. said rob, 
Yeah, and he basically said to Rob McKenna, what kind of nut job do you have a Secretary of State who proposed such a thing? But and, he's our uh, nut job. Yeah, right, right. Now, of course, he didn't use that term. He was being very appropriate. And, but uh, the, uh, and yeah, he was adamantly against his East Coast, he's New York, and to them, primaries or political party primaries, period. And uh, so we ended up dissenting. We did, we did win the case, but he, he wrote a strong case against it. So. Well, that's uh, former Secretary of State Sam Reed. Next week, Sam was more of a referee than a Secretary of State when he oversaw the closest gubernatorial election in U.S. history in 2004. Incredible twists and turns came as a result of that election. At one point, the difference in the vote total in 2004 between Dino Rossi and Christine Gregoire was 42 votes out of 2.8 million cast. So before we go today, Benny, I just want to talk about uh, self-employment in this time of the, uh, I guess a lot of people making reviews about their lifestyle. And I think I've suggested before, if that if you're considering self-employment now, why don't you go back to as close to the type of life you had after we get out of this situation and go back to your current, let's say, job or whatever you have, see how it sits. And if you still believe that you like to go into business for yourself, consider it. Today, I would just want to look at franchises. There's a lot of pros and cons to franchises. I'm not against them at all. I do think that if you have a concept that meets a need and also you find some sort of desire to help people out, your prospects for success will be a lot higher. Let me just take a moment to review what most franchises are. First of all, food franchises are the most prominent number of franchises there are and what people look at going into, followed by weight loss program, home services, cleaning, glass repair and printing companies. Now, two-thirds of reporting franchises have been in business for over 12 years. So that's pretty good success rate because people who start their business independently, about 80% of them do not make it. So I do cover this in the book, the self-employment for you. Again, we promoted it on the show a couple times. Don't need to do it again. But uh, if you want to take a look at self-employment, I think uh, the book would really help you out. So that's all I got for this week, Benny. Everybody have a great week and stay safe.